everybody. Um, it's been really, really been great for me to be here with you all. Thank you. Really, really thank you. Thank you for listening. I know we've gone through a lot. You've heard a lot. Um, I'm not naive, right? Like, I know that this is a very cynical generation. I know that. I know a lot of you have been hurt. I know a lot of you feel the hypocrisy a lot of times, the we say this and we do something opposite. And so I know that. I know, uh, I mean, I wear the weight of being a youth pastor who put on programs to amuse kids, to just get a bunch of them to show up. Like, I wear that. That will be a part of my, I was a part of that period of time of church history where we just gave pizza parties and big events, spend tens of thousands of dollars just to get students to get in the door. But we didn't see you. We didn't necessarily wear the weight with you. We just kind of did our thing and then said, go do something else. And, and I just want you to know, as a result of that, I'm really sorry. I really am. Because I think what's happened as a result of that is you've then gone, well, that must be who God is. And that breaks my heart. But in this season, I think an honest season, Hosea 6.1 says this, Come, let's return to the Lord, for he has wounded us so that he can heal us. He has broken us so that he can bandage our wounds. There's some honesty and brokenness. Amen? And I feel like that's what's happening within the local church. We are now going, we're sorry. We're sorry. We didn't teach you about sin. We didn't teach you the fullness of what grace and mercy and the cost of what that all was about. And so as a result of that, you've created these ideas, mantras, ways of living, ways of thinking that is so consumed with yourself. You thought, like, if they failed me, I don't want to be hurt and failed anymore, so I'm going to create my own reality my own definition of myself. I'm going to be the end all be all. Here's what I want you to know about your truth. Your truth dies with you. Your truth dies when you die. And by the way, just so you know, everybody's gonna go through that. That brings us in the same space, but here's what I wanna declare. I preach Christ crucified. He, we continue 2,000 years after his death to proclaim his goodness. Why? Because it's above us. It's transcendent and it's real and it's truthful and it can be trusted. Your truth dies with you. Jesus' truth lives on to transform lives generation after generation. Why? Because he is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. That's what we've been trying to get after this whole thing. And if you can live into that, you now live into new creation, new way of living, new identity in Christ, living to run and go in what you've been called to do. This is what Paul has been saying all along. So Ephesians 4, 17, 17 through 32, we're going to read this together. So everybody with your Bibles, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. And it says this, now I say and I testify to the Lord in the Lord. Remember, he's like, I got a story, I got a testimony of what Jesus did. Then you must no longer, work, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But, 
Remember that but is so important, that conjunction, the transition into a new idea. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him as the truth of Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of your life is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holy. Therefore, the therefore is therefore a reason. As a result of everything I've been telling you, Having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are all members of one of another. Be angry, or be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone in need, anyone in need. Let no, one, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up and fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Please don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clander and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of God, and everybody said, Amen. Father God, thank you for these words from Pastor Paul. Speaking in a prison cell, feeling the full weight of what it is to have received this and now gets to live in light of it. And it's for the joy that he endures this suffering so that many will come to know you. Would we now then... In light of what your son Jesus has done in the example of the saints who gave up their lives so that others can know you, may we, may we live into that beautiful calling. Spirit of the living God, you are speaking now. Do what only you can do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said amen. When uh, Patty and I first got married, we went on a rafting trip. Uh, we went with some friends, took some friends with us, went on a rafting trip. And uh, we're going down kind of the river, you know, it's us and, and there were a couple and, and Patty and I had just been married and we're going down the rafting trip and, and I'm getting kind of bored. Anybody kind of get bored when it's just kind of normal? Just raise your hand if you're like the person that's like, can we just do something awesome, right? I just want to do something awesome, right? I'm just kind of bored, right? So I got a little bit like that, a little angsty, anxious, a little itchy, like let's go do something. So what I did is I got out of the raft, right? And I, and I held onto the back of the raft, right? And Patty, my wife was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And I'm like, it's totally fine. And she was like, no, because the rapids are going to come up and you're going to be in a bad spot. I'm like, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. I'm going to have some fun. And I could see that the water's picking up. No big deal. So I'm starting going on the back and I'm fun and, and they're laughing at me. But Patty's like, seriously, she's kind of the, she's kind of been the truth person in my life. Uh, wives are doing that. Uh, wives are like that. But, um, and she's like, seriously, get in the raft. I don't think it's good. Well, all of a sudden, the rapids started picking up. And I'm on the back of this thing, and I'm laughing. It's not like crazy. It's not over the top. And then all of a sudden, I start feeling the water get just a little bit cooler. And I realize that I'm in the raft, or I'm behind the raft pulling, and that my swim trunks have completely gone off my body. I am completely naked off the back of this raft, right? And I look at Patty, I'm like, 
My swim trunks are like literally gone, right? I'm like naked with a capital N, right? Like the day I was born into this world, hanging off the back of this raft. And she's like, I told you to get in the raft. And I was like, I know, but I want to have fun, right? So she's like telling our friends like, okay, listen, uh, like you need to, you know, cover your eyes. So I jump up. This is a true story. I jump up in the moment I like crest over the, the, the raft. I just hear screams. Ah! It's, a, it's, a, it's a raft of Girl Scouts. It's a raft of Girl Scouts. And they're like, oh my God, my eyes. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. oh my gosh. And literally they passed us and my life's like, tucked down, tucked down. So I tucked down and the leaders are like, what's wrong with you? How dare you? How could you do that? I'm like, I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to do that. I'm, I'm so sorry. Go to counseling. That You'll never wash that out of your brain. I'm sorry. Right? Oh my gosh. But I find that so interesting that we tend to live our lives the same way. We tend to just kind of do what we want to do. As long as it feels good and I think it's fun, I'm just going to start living that way without thinking about the consequences of what it means, not just to you, but to everybody around you, to everyone around you. Because what we have and what Paul's trying to address for us is there's a problem. And the problem is, is that you and I have created a meology. Instead of a theology, which is about God and glorifying him and living into the calling, you develop a meology. It's become about you, your life, your way. I mean, it's so interesting to me, the individualism that exists in our world. And it's not a brand new thing, but it's heightened to a whole new level. You literally have, most of you have in your possession something called an iPhone, It's an iPhone that has iTunes because it's all about me. When I was growing up, we had one phone in the house, and it had a cord attached to it. And so if my dad was on the phone, I couldn't be like, Dad, I need to call my girl. All right, like it didn't matter. We had to learn to share it. We had to learn to cooperate. And when he was on the phone, I couldn't be in the room. But you now, because you've grown up in an individualized society that tells you it's all about you. You've created, without, maybe without even knowing it, a meology. It's about me, as long as it makes me happy. And my sin is my sin. My mistakes are my mistakes. It doesn't really hurt anyone else. Except that Scripture's going to say this in 2 Corinthians 12, 26. It says this. If one part, he's talking about the ecclesia. This is what Paul's coming back. The book of Ephesians is about Jesus, and it's about the community of believers. And he desperately desires for them to be one. So the gospel will move forward. And so he says in 2 Corinthians 12, which is this idea of the ecclesia, the body, the church. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Which means this, we, your sin is not just your sin. Your sin affects Me. This is what Paul's trying to get at at the back end of this passage. Listen, all these things that he's saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't be like this, change this, change this, is because it's not just about you. Your sin affects me. Oh, no, it's not. I do it in quiet. It affects me. It impacts me. 
Your fractured life is fracturing me. It's fracturing all of us. You thought you could just sin in quiet and it's not going to impact anything. It does. It does. But here's the cool thing. The same thing works for your collective wins. When you follow after the Lord, when you make this life about him and about other people, guess who benefits from that? I do. We win together, amen? But we also lose together. I think everybody loves winning together, but they stop thinking about what it means to lose together. So I just want you to let you know, what you do when no one is around impacts me as a brother in Christ. Please be aware of that. That little secret sin that you think is secret, there is no such thing as a secret sin. That is a lie. But because you've developed this meology where it's all about me, this individualism was all about what you want, when you want it, how you want it, supersize me kind of life. It affects me. It's affecting the church. And Paul is very aware of this. This is not a brand new thing. This has existed from the beginning of time. Remember Cain and Abel. Murder, death because of individualism. And Paul's like, please don't do that. Please understand that what you think, how you act, what you do impacts the whole. But also when you win. When you choose to move forward in the calling of God in your life, it impacts us all. Isn't that beautiful? We're all connected. Lewis talks about this. C.S. Lewis says this as it relates to individualism. The harder one tries to live for self, the less of life one really has. I think that's true. Until at the end, there is nothing left of it at all And one has nothing to show for it. This is what Paul desperately doesn't want. And this is why he's giving this huge call at the end of this section of scripture. He's been building towards this, building towards this, building towards this, building towards this. And going, listen, what you do, both positive and negative, affects the body of Christ. And you are a new creation. You have this old self is gone. And now you put on the nature of Christ through Jesus' death and resurrection So live that way. That's what he's saying. Live this way. Paul in Colossians says this, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, listen to set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in his glory. He's like, where's your focus at? What are you focused on? Because what you focus on, you will follow. What you focus on, you will follow. And he says, set your mind on things above. What does that mean? He's like, reset your minds. You ever have on your iPhone when it's kind of glitchy? When it's not working right, you just hold the two buttons and then you just power that thing down. And then what do you do? Fire it back up, that little Apple logo comes up. I don't even know what to do if you're an Android user. Like, I'm so sorry, I don't even know that language. You know, you probably just go, Google, 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 Google. But with iPhones, you you hit the button and the Apple comes up and it essentially says to you, reset. Like, I've, I've reset. You're on a... You've got an update. You're, you're good to go. This is what he's saying is to reset your minds. And as we reset our minds, what he's saying is live 
like citizens of heaven now. This isn't about escapism. That's, this is not about like getting out of this bad place so that we no, this is living the kingdom of God right now. Live like citizens of kingdom, uh, citizens of heaven right now. That's why this passage that we've been centering ourselves in for the last few days in 2 Corinthians 5:17 says this: Therefore, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Behold, the new has come. That's new life. Kingdom of God life now. Holy before God life now. Live that out now. He also says, live in a heavenly community. This is what it means to uh, set your minds on things of above. We are going to spend eternity, if you've made a commitment to follow after Jesus, check this out, together forever. That's kind of awesome. Why wait to heaven? Why not just do this right now? And then when we get to heaven, we're like, hey, hey, right? Because it just feels normal. We've been doing such a good job here on earth is as we transition, it's like, this is amazing. Let's live that reality out right now. When my son Cooper got diagnosed with cancer when he was eight years old, and by the way, just so you know, because I always get this question, he, he's at Joshua, he's 19 now, praise be to God, he's healed. But eight years old, really tough. I had just launched this organization to reach millennials and help integrate them back into the local church through, through relationship. And so we would have a worship gathering every other week. Okay? It wasn't a church. It was like a parachurch ministry, which is here. We are here to help the church. And so we'd have speakers come in, and, and somebody had told me about this guy, and they're like, he's great. You should have him come. So we met. His name was Bob. Uh, Bob Goff. Um, and so I, I knew nothing about this guy, and I had watched a couple talks, and so I called Bob on the phone, and I was like, hey, we're doing this thing. This is probably 11 years ago. Uh, we're doing this thing, and we're trying to help uh, reconnect millennials back into local church, and, um, but to be honest, like, I'd love for you to come out and speak, and he was like, oh, yeah, all right. You know, like I, and so Bob comes into Phoenix. I'm like in a, a bad spot, to be honest. I'm hurting. I'm like going in between the hospital and this Worship gathering, trying to do my job while also serve my family in the hospital. Horrible. And so Bob and I go out for, for lunch, and I ask the same question of every speaker that would come. What is one thing you've always wanted to do that everyone's told you you're not allowed to do or you won't do? Right? Little did I know who Bob Goff is. Now, I, now that I know who he is, I would have never asked that question. Okay? But uh, Bob's like, I've always loved this idea of like laying hands on people. Like in praying for them. I'm like, that's cool. He's like, but I think it would be cool to crowd surf somebody. And that we would just like pray for them as we crowd surf them. And he goes, and I think we should do that to you. Because your son's hurting. And because you're hurting. And I think your community needs to wear the weight of that. And so Bob gets up and speaks. And he does his Bob Goffian stuff. And everyone feels good. And, um, and then he said, hey, listen, one of, your, one of your leaders here, in fact, your leader, is, is hurting, and many of you know his son has cancer, and I think we should pray for him. So I got on the edge of, of a pew, just like this, and they lifted me up, and I heard a thousand millennials praying for me as they were carrying me. Lord, please be with him and his family. The voices of the saints praying on behalf of my family as they touched my back and moved me around a worship gathering. Lord, please strengthen them. This is a picture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. This is a picture of what I was so encouraged, so blessed by the fact that they were thinking about me, praying for me, 
What if we lived that way? You know, the, the, the scripture says they will know you by your love. You wanna do evangelism? Preach the gospel always. Sometimes use words, St. Francis of Assisi says. Which means this, it's in action. It's you being together as one, carrying the burden of one another. This is why Corinthians is going, Paul's going like, when one of us wins, we all win. Let's celebrate that. When we lose, let's bear each other burdens, Paul says later on. It's where the weight of what's going on in the community, which means this. I know for a fact there are kids in here that are deeply hurt. And I also know this, and they feel completely alone in their local church. What a shame. Give that burden to somebody. Do you know that burdens are a blessing? If you're aware, if you have something going on, what I want you to do is I want you to give it to somebody. That's all, you're blessing them because you know what you're doing? If I have something going on in my life and I hand it to you and you know what, and you respond in obedience and helping me and caring for me, do you know what that means? I'm helping you be obedient. How cool is that? As you give someone your burden and then they bear that burden, you're allowing them to be a blessing. Giving the burden is a blessing. You are blessing somebody. But it's only a blessing if you then live in obedience to carry that burden with them. And as we do that together as a community, we glorify God. How beautiful. That's heaven on earth. The Spirit of God is pushing you into community with God and one another. And that's what we've been called to do. And then live like heaven right now. Let's not wait. Let's be salt and light. Let's be like a city on a hill for the world to see. And it will happen as a result of you going like, listen, my sin isn't just my sin. And so James says, confess to one another your sins. You're to bear one another burdens. We're like, no, community matters. And so I'm gonna, we're going to care for one another. We're going to wear each other's burdens. Do you know what they have found out? Right now, there's so much data on trauma People who have been just abused and hurt, there's so much. Do you know one of the number, way, number one things to reconnect synapses in the brain to help heal somebody? Do you know what it is? Community, friendship, care. You can literally be a part of healing somebody by being together and living into a unified mission to go and share this good news in the world. It's actually, guess what? They found this out, it's beautiful. It's actually good for your health. It's actually good for you. <laughs> it's good for you to meditate on the word of God, as it says in scriptures, day and night. Actually, psychologically, they have found if you do that, you'll be healthier, whole, less anxious. Maybe, just maybe. Jesus loves you so much, and God has given us the canon of scripture to invite us into life and life to the full. Because when we're healthy, guess what happens? Others get healthy. That health just splashes all other people. And the story from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 is about a God who loves his creation and desires to be in relationship with all of mankind. You are now that new creation. And you are the carriers of that good news. And that's why Paul is saying, what you do matters. How you live matters. Whose truth you take on matters. And I pray with all of my heart 
that it's God's truth, not your truth. (laughs) Not truth. I hope you don't have this just I'm going to be me. I'm going to do me. You do you kind of philosophy. And I'm going to, no, no, I'm going to do like Jesus. I'm going to live in sacrifice like him. I went to a soccer game. How many of you love soccer? Raise your hand if you love soccer. Yeah, World Cuppy people, right? Right? So um, we went to a soccer game. I'd never been to a GCU soccer game, Grand Canyon University. That's where my son goes. And so some friends of us, they're like soccer Nutballs, right? There are those people out there. Soccer, like they wear jerseys. I don't, I don't get it, but they do. Okay, so we go to a GCU game, and the game is like intense. Apparently, GCU is Division One, and so it's like this huge game. It's for this or that, and the goalie was having like a spectacular night. Crazy. Again, first time I've ever been to like a professional or or college. Uh, soccer game. So we're sitting there. It's really cool. Stadium's awesome. We're with our friends, having a great time. It's a little hot out because it's in Phoenix, right? But it's cool. Coming down, I, the game, GCO's up by one goal, three to two. They're making a run. The other team is making a run, right, with 40 seconds left, and they are aggressively. They make a shot on goal. He does this, like, diving punch and he knocks it out everyone's freaking out they circle back around and they start they make a pass to the center everyone's rushing in and the goalie runs in the middle and all we hear is oh and then all of a sudden the guy's on the ground and, the, and it's still going around now all of a sudden you we heard the players crying just they just stopped going oh my god and the, the goalie is on the ground and everything stops. All of a sudden, the, the trainers start running out to the field, and we can hear the players weeping, and we can't see anything. All we can see is that this goalie is on the ground, completely obliterated, and we don't know if he's dead. We don't know if his neck is snapped. We don't know what's going on, but everything around us is telling something bad is happening. And so we're just waiting there, and all of a sudden, we hear wailing, and it's his mother who was in the crowd. And she's down on the field with him, and we can hear her wailing. We're like, what is happening? What is going on? And everyone, it, I'm not kidding, the entire stadium is completely quiet. And everyone's thinking the same thing, two things. What's wrong with this guy? And where is help? What's wrong with this guy that's on the field? Is he dead? Everything tells us something really bad is going on, but everybody's going, where's help? Everyone keeps looking to the street, which is to the south. They're like, where is help? Where is the ambulance? Like literally 15 minutes has gone by. Everyone's just kind of moving around. And when we would hear a siren, we think, oh, good, help is coming. No help. 20 minutes, no help. And everyone's getting a little like, should we go do something? Like, I just felt helpless. I felt helpless. Everyone felt helpless. And here this kid is laying on the field. You have groups of players that are gathered around one another. The other team is rallied around the prayers, laying their hands on them and praying. And we're like, what is going on? All of a sudden, on the north side, so the goalie's on the south side of the field. On the north side, we see a fire truck pull up. And we're like, help is here. And these guys just start kind of getting their stuff, taking their time. For 30 minutes, we have been sitting in this tension of, I don't know what's wrong and where is help. And these guys, like, they're getting their stuff all slow. And then they start walking on the field like this. And one dude, I love this guy, goes, 
run, run. And then everyone in the stand goes, run, you need to run. And everyone stands up, we've broken the silence. Do something, help is here, go do something, don't walk. What are you walking for? This kid could be dead. Go, run. And I couldn't help but think that Jesus ran to us, rescued us, saved us. And what he is inviting you and I into is that mission of go do something. Go do something bigger than yourself, than your own ideologies. Go serve Jesus. Go be a part of rescue in the way that he was. This is what it means to live life and life to a full. To be an ecclesia, a body on mission for the glory of God. That is so much bigger than you. So much bigger than you. And they got this guy and they put him in the ambulance and they sped off. His life was saved. He'll never play soccer again. But the community around GCU has lifted him up in his weakness. This is the body of Christ on mission for the glory of God. This is the great family you've been invited to be a part of. This is called Fresno United. I love that. (laughs) But if you don't live united, then it just becomes a silly tag. It becomes a really cool little name we use But do we really feel it? Do we really wear it? Do we really live it out? And I'm encouraging you, city of Fresno, go on mission together. Go do something greater than you could ever hope or imagine in your own power and believe through the spirit of God that you can do greater works than what Jesus did. Through the spirit of God, empowering and impacting and convicting each and every one of you to do something greater than you could ever hope or imagine because you are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, guess what? Check it out. You're new. Live in the new. And this is what Jesus is trying to invite Peter into. Peter's denied him. Remember, Peter's like the guy. I'll never betray you. And what does he do? Betrays him. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he has this beautiful exchange with Peter, which I think is so important for us. And he just looks at Peter and he says this. Look up here, everybody. Do you love me? I'd ask you the same question. Jesus looks to Peter, the betrayer. Do you love me? And Peter's response is, and I think it would be for so many of you, I do, I love you. Lord, you know, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? Lord, I, I, I love you. I think a lot of you would say that. And then Jesus once again says, Peter, do you love me? At this point, we're feeling like a little offended. Like, you've already asked me twice, but what Peter doesn't understand and what we don't understand, he's trying to redeem the old and make new covenant. Peter, do you love me a third time to redeem the three times that he rejected him? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus' next words are so important. He could have said anything. He said, feed my sheep. Here's what he's saying, multiply me. Go share the good news, the great commission with all, share this love, this, share this forgiveness, share this care with the world. And guess what we know that Peter did? He did that, and we get to do that. And that's why our lives are so important. I want you to, everyone look up here. You are so important to the kingdom of God. You are so important to the kingdom of God. You belong and you matter. 
You belong and you matter. And the greatest gift that you can give to your community, your church, and actually to yourself is to believe that you are a daughter and son of the most high God and then to live into that mission and calling to give your life up so others can have life because then you look like Jesus, amen? And that's what we're trying to do. And I'm not telling you I got this down. I'm not telling you I have this perfect. I know we come up to camp and it's rah, rah, shish, kumbah. I know, right, that it's like a pep rally. I know it feels like that at times, but I want you to know this is real, and I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm not just pitching you something. I believe this with my whole life. I really do, and I have failed miserably, but I also sense the grace and the mercy that covers a multitude of my sins. God rescued my life. I should be dead. Physically, I should have died, and he said, not yet. And I stand before you as a model of grace and mercy that I'm not done yet that I'm loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I want you to know I feel it. I feel it so deeply. And I get the, to spend the rest of my life, and it may be just as I go down the hill, the Lord may take me then, I hope not, to spend my life speaking of his goodness, speaking of his love, and challenging others to live in the grace and mercy that has covered my sins and it covers your sins so that we can be whole and full in the good news that he wants to us to live and then live out. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for this time that we've gotten to be together where we learn and grow. You are high and lifted up. You are exalted above all. Thank you that you are patient with us. Patient. You were so patient with the disciples. So patient. Help us to live into what you've called us to be as sons and daughters of yours. We magnify you in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.